We're ready. Anything else? Get my intro. Mackenzie Aston. <laughs> he held up pretty well, don't you think? Did he do that movie Iron Will? Is that what I saw him in? I don't know, but he's so. been on Homeland recently, I guess. He looks like the other guy in Homeland. Yeah, the one they killed. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Brody. Yes. Mackenzie Aston was an Iron Will, a VHS copy of which we owned, which is about a dog sled race. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, my gosh. We had that. Did he play Yotam Haber? I think he did not hold on to the reins at one point. Ah, uh, see, rookie mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that was the whole point of the movie. All right. Anything else we need? Nope. Wait, he made a guest appearance on NCIS? Probably. Now Bobby's interested. Bobby's perked up. <laughs> Welcome to LRB. You're Mackenzie Aston. podcast. Party foul number two on in. <laughs> two shots. No more Mackenzie's. No more? Are you sure? Mackenzie talk is over. All right. God. So mean. That's so Bossy. mean. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, the podcast inspired by the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. From the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, I'm Anne Lundholm. Every Monday we bring you a recap of the last week of TBTL, but this is the end of the month Friday show where we indulge in a variety of shenanigans that may or may not be TBTL related. Joining me tonight is the entire LRB crew, minus Meredith, since it's well past her bedtime. <laughs> From No More Girl Scout Cookie Studios in Linwood, mm-hmm. Washington, it's the nice lady, Christy Wise. Hi, Hello, Christy. Anne. Hi. I just wanted to report I found three additional empty boxes today. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we are officially done. <laughs> Excellent. From Garden View Studios in Buffalo, New York. Hopefully he's already packed for tomorrow morning's early flight. It's Bobby Pape. Good evening, Bobby. I'm always packed now. It's just the story of my life. It's your go bag. You're ready With at any time humidifier to jump Humidifier and his uh, 12 pack of Diet Coke. and Bobby Poppins. Pack. Bobby Poppins. <laughs> Got a word processor and a bowling ball. <laughs> a laminator. Coat, coat, coat rack. <laughs> Corn dog fryer. <laughs> From middle-aged mama studios in Austin, Texas, it's Hillary Livingston Butler. Are the kids down for the night, Hillary? Um, hopefully. We've started to, this might make me a bad mom, and I'm sorry, but we started to give Rory melatonin because he was too, like, wound up at night, and it really sacks him out, which, like, is great, but also I feel like I'm drugging my child. But yes, he's asleep yeah. now. We do so. it, too. We do it, too, so at least we're in, in this together. We're in, we're in it together. <laughs> as, as long as it's, as it's time appropriate, you don't give it to him at five. Well. You know, well. When, you're, when you're done, you have to kind of wait till he's kind of done, you know what I mean? Well, it's, yeah, it's we, dessert after dinner. I mean, totally. It's the gummies. It's there the gummies. Go. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh, they have gummies oh, now. Oh, yeah. Man, they have everything gummies. Oh, yeah. It's like they taste like, um, what are, um, shoot, what are the like sour, chewy candies? Um, sour Patch sour Kids. Sour Patch Kids? Sour Patch Kids. They're like Sour Patch Kids. And he's like, I like the stuff wow. on top of them. Like the little, like, like you just know, be quiet, keep stuff. eating. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to call the doctor when Rory's been asleep for three days and his tongue's all torn up. <laughs> right. He got into the cupboard. <laughs> Um, so yes, they are they are asleep. Thank goodness. Perfect. Yes. And finally, I believe from the AutoZone Mobile Studios, immediately adjacent to the ranch in Manchac, Texas, it's Mike Frizzell. Mike, you said you were going to be recording from the car. Is that true? Uh, I didn't have to huh. uh, because um, my mother-in-law is snoring, so I think I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about keeping people awake. Yeah. Did you give her melatonin? <laughs> yeah, we had a whole bottle of gummies together, so I might drop off a little bit here. Too. Well, tonight, as always, we have some LRB business to discuss. We'll open up the mailbag to see what matters to you, the Wagoneers, and then we're going to revisit the theme of a show we did almost exactly two years ago. In fact, mm. it posted on March 30th of 2017, and do another round of hashtag tripod suggestions. We've each picked a podcast we've been loving that we want to spread the word about. But first, let's do a little business. Do we have any business? This week in um, uh, podcast news, I guess my um, projected podcast news, I was watching um, coverage of the NCAA tournament on Thursday morning with the sound down. So uh, I glanced up and... And I saw that whomever they recruited for CBS Sports, which pays a billion dollars a year or more to broadcast this tournament every year, and had a chance to get their top person on the um, closed captioning, uh, someone who might know something about sports, actually typed this in. Um, they said that uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, which is uh, Ann's, Ann's college, uh, were just feeling lucky to be uh in the torment this year <laughs> well yeah it's a hey how, how much is the contract C- can we carve out just an extra grand for someone who knows that they're doing a tournament <laughs> it's not torment can we do all right all right so i just renegotiated that for next year but i think we're stuck this year with someone who substitutes torment for well maybe they were feeling tormented um obviously because they're not a sports fan (laughs) and they were facing four long long days of closed captioning sport ball well and it's it's possible that the gophers were in fact feeling torment (laughs) because all men's sports at the university are terrible oh no 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 they won that game by the way yeah, but they then, that then they got then smacked they... by Michigan State in the next one, right? Well, they got thrown back in the torment yeah. by virtue of the win. <laughs> you got to watch the women's sports at the University of Minnesota. Well, that sounds good. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> I went to a cave today. Uh, so That's about the most exciting. I went with a bunch of seven-year-olds to a cave in Texas in Georgetown Texas it was actually pretty cool but uh, yeah I was done being with seven-year-olds god bless teachers because I don't know how you do it they are extremely loud I like 
ran to my car when it was done. Like, get me out of here. <laughs> do they light those places? You know, How do you see what's going on in there? Well, they have a little guide and there's they have a flashlight and stuff. It was actually, it was very well done. They did, a, and they have like a little uh-huh. mining area where you, they give you gyms or something to sift through sand. Did you wear a dress? No, no, I wore work. No, no, oh my God. I actually was thinking about it. and But this is how I know that I'm an old person because when you're walking downhill, like in it a little bit, it's a little bit slick. And I was so nervous I was going to fall the whole time. I'm like, I'm going to fall. Like I'm trying to watch my step and I'm doing like little shuffle steps because I'm scared I'm going to take too big of a jump. But um, no, I was wearing workout clothes and tennis shoes because hell no, that would be really embarrassing. Sounds like appropriate splunking attire. (laughs) I was thinking, you're saying that, you know, God bless teachers. What age group would you pick? Hmm. None. If you had to. God, none. Um, Because I wouldn't want high schoolers. Oh, my God. Gross. Middle school? The worst would be middle school. They'd be fucking in there. High schoolers would be fucking. The (laughs) the two in the back would be fucking. Well, they don't need to go to the cave. Are you talking about which age would you pick to take to the cave or which age would you teach? (laughs) If you had to. Gun to your head. Which age would you choose to teach? High school. Uh, Well, still. Same couple in the back. Still fucking. (laughs) I would say. Cave or class. Doesn't matter. Fourth grade, maybe. Uh, See, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. They're old enough to have some sort of autonomy, but they yes. haven't developed the disdain for you yet as an <laughs> adult yes. human being. Yes. But Good that's call. when puberty starts now. Oh. Fourth grade? Yeah. Oh, man. Not great. Third grade. I picked third grade. I don't think my grade. junk could have handled that many years of uh, puberty. I think it would have worn right off. <laughs> God. Well, at least they all just want alone time. <laughs> True. Right. How old were those? Time out. Okay, I'll take it. (laughs) How old were those Chileans? (laughs) Uh, Well, let's go ahead and dive into the mailbag and the March mailbag. Uh, Wagoneers, you have outdone yourselves. Yeah. uh, Dang. By the quantity and quality of the the contributions you've made to the show. Uh, Hillary, do you want to start this one off? Of course. I'm going to start with my girl, Sam. Uh, We have similar uh, tastes in television. (laughs) (laughs) So this is from uh, March 8th, and she said, Listening to Thursday's show and melting my phone with eye lasers of disdain. Luke throwing shade at reality television, yet aspiring to the lofty position of game show gadfly is beyond comical. I guarantee that if Luke and Andrew put as much work into TVTL as the Real Housewives put into manufacturing storylines, engineering elaborate backstabs, and fighting the sands of time with help of strategic filler placement, we wouldn't need a repository for phone-throwing outrage. Yes. True. Ugh, girl, yes. Do you think that that would improve TBTL if we engineered some <laughs> elaborate backstabs? <laughs> um, I mean, pos- listen. It would the, be planning. Te- the Real Housewives of New York City is like the only like appointment television I have anymore. It's like the one thing I watch live. It's so good and so elaborately like planned out and not real, but it's fantastic. So why, I don't know. Okay, why is, I was born to produce this show. <laughs> why is it good? Tell me. I don't see it. I mean, I have such a history with these people now that like maybe it's like just so deeply embedded in my soul. It's like imprinted on me now. Um, 
I don't know. These they're just so weird and bizarre, but like they make me laugh because they can hate each other and scream at each other, but then like, you know, it's it's like a revolving door. Like it like it changes from season to season kind of who hates each other. And the one thing I like, and I will say this is going to delve into something different. I will say I know that they're crazy and I know they have they're filled with botox and whatever, but for the most part you don't see women older than like 40 on television unless they're like playing grandmas. And I kind of like that these are like 50 year old women that are on there. Now I know that they're like a caricature of a 50 year old woman, but I don't know. They make me laugh. And again, I've been with them for so long at this point that I feel like I know them and New York, especially now I, I used to like ride or die for like all Bravo shows. I, I have slowly kind of, I, I, not like because of anything really it just is like I just don't watch them as much anymore but New York is is good and Bethany on it is uh, a little caustic but she's actually pretty funny and she is sort of the Greek chorus of the whole thing so anyway I recommend it but visually Hillary aren't all the women trying to carve their way back under 40 I'm you know mm, one slice at a time I don't I think you're like thinking it's more extreme than it is. Like Sonia Morgan looks just really good. Like she looks like she's 50 and she's probably 55 or 60 maybe, but she looks, I mean, she looks like a rich woman. It looks like a, there's a couple of people that are like comically bad, but for the most part, I don't know. They just look good. Like they look pretty good. The New York cast. That's what I kind of like about them is they're not as like, um, uh, like Orange County, like, the Orange County ladies look insane. Um, but the real house, the new, uh, New York ladies kind of look like they've gotten really good plastic surgery. Like, you know, any celebrity who's looks so good for their age, but you're like, well, you know, they've just had really well strategized, uh, fillers and procedures done. Has anyone gotten a good look at Mike Resler's nose lately? Because I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking. I did see Rob Lowe, I think, on Ellen the other day. Oh, and I Rob was Lowe. No. I was far away from the TV. <laughs> but I'm like, he's starting to look a little no. strange. What is happening? Mm-hmm. Things are going awry at this point. <laughs> and also, for the most part, like, yes, I think that Paul Rudd looks really good for his age and he has not really aged. Do I think he's had plastic surgery? Yes, I do. Because he's a celebrity. They all have like... If- if I know regular people who have had multiple procedures, every celebrity has had something done. Now, it doesn't mean that they've had their whole face reconstructed, but people get Botox yeah, or they fillers. get like nose jobs or whatever. My friend, I think I've said this, but my friend Chelsea used to call it the Hollywood car wash. So you like see somebody when they're first on the scene, you're like, oh, they're cute. And then immediately they lose like 20 pounds. They get a nose job, a chin implant and like extensions. And that pretty much goes, it's like across the board. They just end up looking weird. I know. I think for the higher like caliber celebrity you are, the uh, better it looks. But Rob Lowe definitely has like gone, you know, so like there's something it's like uncanny valley about him. Yep. <laughs> so Hillary, you're saying there has to be like a Dr. James Andrews of plastic surgery that only the top. Oh, flight- 100%. 100%. And they like sign, you know, major confidentiality agreements uh-huh. uh-huh absolutely there's a lot of money exchange that's got to be incredibly yes i know i want to find that expensive. person write a memoir <laughs> give him do some pro bono work he doesn't uh, take insurance i'm no. sure it's no. all cash <laughs> yeah but good luck to one of those housewives if they need tommy john <laughs> no. they don't do anything to need that 
<laughs> well. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Let's keep moving on. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Catherine's. This was just a quick comment from Catherine on March 13th, but it made me laugh. <laughs> I think we can all tell all what this, show this right? was from. <laughs> Catherine says, anybody else scream, stop naming flavors. <laughs> <laughs> I could not have been less interested in the, how many flavors of Bartles and James there were. <laughs> were slash are and then he got to the discontinued flavors and i was like no stop we get the point it seems like the same amount of energy was expended into making a buck uh on bartles and james i mean like way too much energy in into them making a buck i mean california coolers they just made the california cooler and made their money and got out of there there was no reason to churn you know, so much energy over all these stupid flavors like Bartles and James did. It seems like a waste of time. Zima, you know? Zima. Yeah. There, how many was. flavors of Zima was <laughs> there? Uh, Zima was so good. Yeah. It was so good. It was so good. <laughs> Must smear Calm ice, down, man. Bartles and James. <laughs> There's no reason for all this. Well, now I, now I want to see how many flavors of Seagram's coolers there are. Seagram's. <laughs> Go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's the wet and the dry. Um, I almost, true. I once got kicked out of a sorority formal for drinking a Zima. <laughs> That's a sorority you didn't want to be in. Well, it was, I was 19 and we were at the like. Oh, it wasn't during rush. No, no, no. Because then you would no, have known. No, no. This God, is no. not for me. No, um, I was at, no, yeah. I was at the, um. I was at our formal and it was at like the Coors Brewery or something. They had yeah. some room and, but I was 19. Yeah. And so they were very strict about, you know, age limits there, but I snuck a Zima and they kicked me out and put me on the bus. Oh, little did they know how much booze there was on the bus. <laughs> exactly. They sent you with a Mike's Hard Lemonade to go. <laughs> well, I'm looking at Seagram's. Do you want me to list all the names? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it, but I count 14. I mean, Jesus. not even close. Although they have come on now, Seagram's escapes bottle flavors and can flavors. Are, oh. are hey, listen, different? it's for my. It's for can. I never saw that. It's for the pool. <laughs> yep. <True. laughs> or the park. Um, get those cans away from the pool. You. What do you call that guy? Premature ejaculator. Wait, what? what do you call the? the... <laughs> what foreplay. What? Remember when, yes. when Andrew got mad about oh, 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 yeah, oh God. Mr. Foreplay came along? Ugh. Because of the worst burns. They're not even. Nobody understands them. I know. No. You can't even retell them and people would and people don't don't get them still. I'm oh, getting guys. really uh distracted here on the Seagram's page because <laughs> I, s- really? I see all the bottles. I scroll down past the cans, and there's more like tall boy cans that say spiked, spiked Ooh. Seagrams. I'm like, what's the difference between the regular and the spiked? Maybe Is it's it all with caffeine. Oh, yeah. Jeremy well, for, would know all loco? about whatever this product is. <laughs> for Luke. Oh, God. I'm sure Jeremy slumped over his steering wheel in his, in his pest control truck a few times with a <laughs> bottle or, sorry, a, a tall boy of this in his I hand. feel uh. like we need to um, have some of these offerings at the next LRB picnic. Uh, yes. We have variety packs. Do you want to get a, a can variety 12 pack or can variety 24 pack? Well, both. Obviously. Those never work out because you have like one flavor that's that you like. always gross, and then right? one that's disgusting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. 
Don't do it. Yeah. All right. Baja well, Blast is sucked just in by the, there by the variety pack. It's always the apple cinnamon and the oatmeal, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oatmeal cookie. Uh, apparently, one of the most popular flavors of Seagram's Escapes is called Jamaican Me Happy. Oh, yep. God. Oh, wow. A refreshing blend of lemon, strawberry, watermelon, and guava. That's right. Oh, oh. I was thinking jerk chicken, but, you know, whatever. Jerk chicken. <laughs> oh, man. Tastes like a steel drum. All right. Let's continue. Yes, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, okay, I'm going to take the next one um, because... I like attention. Um, it's from March 15th from Justina. <laughs> Are we sure Luke doesn't listen to LRB? I've asked myself that as well, Justina. Uh, because that was clearly a Hillary, it's fine, TM response to the I pet that dog account. I really felt it. I like, I, he was, he was, uh, you know, grabbing onto my shtick, but you know, whatever. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think they do listen. I mean, maybe on occasion, but I, I definitely don't think Luke listens. But um, Luke it's like, assured me to my face that he has not listened to one minute of LRB. Yeah. So he doesn't. Take no, never that has. for yeah. what it's worth. Uh, yeah. No, wait, 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 wait. No. Nope. When nope. Carrie was on. The back. He listened to, uh, yeah, he listened to Carrie's show. And I told him to listen to David's and he said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I don't know if he actually did, but. Oh, man, he yeah. should have. That was That's awesome. That's a good one. That's okay. We don't need them to listen. Nope. <laughs> don't want them to listen anyway. All right. I'm going to go to one from Nathaniel that just screams to be read from the 18th. <laughs> Nathaniel says, imagine your teeth crunching into a Slim Jim. Oh, God. All right. I'm there mm-hmm. imagining. And imagine that moment occurring exactly when Andrew says, quote, chomping on a placenta. <laughs> no. Quote. <laughs> it was tough. But I finished the Slim Jim. <laughs> mm-hmm. Showing real commitment to your dried meat products. Are Slim Jims dried? You. Yeah. Process? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. yeah. They're not but beef the, jerky. The phrase is snapping. Yeah. Not to criticize Nathaniel, but it's snapping into a Slim Jim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't make me go get a Yeti to attack you for not... Understanding your dried meats. <laughs> God. The, I don't know if I've ever eaten any of those weird meat products. I haven't had a Slim Jim since I was a kid. I don't... Well, any dried meat that's named after a, a tool used to break into cars, <laughs> that's not... For- that's not for the a classy lady like you. No. <laughs> All right, Christie's. I'm not. Oh, no, this is you, Bobby. This is me. But I'm I'm finishing off another bite of my teriyaki brick. <laughs> Slim Jim. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a really low level car thief. Just smashing grab. <laughs> right. Uh, this is from March 20th from listener Kristen. Uh, first in brackets. Am I allowed to throw my phone at a listener? Doing it anyway. Hmm. Then Kristen writes, pretending to feel barfy. To prevent someone from sitting by you on a plane isn't, quote, sky jinx. It's just being an asshole. We live in a society you fuck. <laughs> Copyright, wow. George Costanza and Kristen. <laughs> so Kristen's yeah. outed herself by full name here. So you can bleep it if you want, Anne, but she wrote it. So, uh, Do you want to read Sam's, too, before we discuss this? Because it's on yeah, the I same topic. They're relevant. And I, of course chose these as air travel relevant to my life right march 25th mm-hmm. sam listening to the lrb recap and rebummed hearing about the air sickness bag tactic to scam a seating arrangement 
As someone with extremely severe chronic migraines and who is vehicularly challenged, I spend a lot of time uh, commuting while ill. I carry sick bags because when my migraines escalate, the nausea and vomiting is intense. People give me horrendously dirty looks, and an already awful situation is often made a lot worse. I had a C bus clear to either side to avoid sick little me in the middle, and the idea that someone would fake it to get the, quote, she has the plague treatment I receive is really annoying, colon, open parentheses. (laughs) (laughs) Or possibly frowny face. Yes, frowny face. Whichever. I'm imagining a sick off on different sides of the plane or the bus, you know, like, oh, you know, I, I really go into some sort of almost convulsions just to get everyone away from me. And then the, the, the lady on the other side of the plane, like Sam, is legit sick. And then they start migrating back over to me and I got to step up my fake game, mm-hmm. you know, like this lady. She was kind of bragging, but she also knew it was wrong. I mean, she wouldn't have said anything if she wasn't proud of the, you know. Right. scam or whatever we didn't really talk about it in a lot of depth on the show because we were kind of like eh, yeah. well it's an asshole move but <laughs> yeah right it, it really is you know the more that we talk about these airline issues the seat reclining being one of them the more i realize there's just no resolution because there are people that need to have the seat reclined and there are people like me who are miserable when people recline their seat in front of you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't think there's any resolution on that one. And I, it's a bummer to be shoved like sardines in, but it's shitty to fake sickness to try and, I don't know, get a better situation. Yeah. I mean, I respect your game if you actually shit your pants <laughs> or something, you know, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, if you're just doing some some weak ass, fake clutch of vomit bag bullshit, I'd sit next to you and I'd say, oh, "Let me catch it with my hands." <laughs> I think pulling yeah. out like a homemade tuna sandwich might be a little bit nicer. <laughs> oh, gross, Christy! I know. <laughs> some like hard boiled eggs and tuna and uh, what else? Oh, oh yeah, I've had jerky. people pull out sushi. Mm-hmm. And, God, and it's, it's I was I was at the Delta Lounge in the morning last week. I think it was someday last week because I went back and forth twice last week. It was a long week. Stop bragging. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I pay as much as I do Delta. I'm going to get my free pastry and coffee in the morning. Um, this woman was sitting at the bar. It was nine in the morning. I think I'd just gotten into Boston and I was swinging through for a coffee on my way out of the airport. Uh, and she had. Over half a dozen hard-boiled eggs (laughs) on her plate. (laughs) And she was sitting Mm -hmm. at the bar. I don't think she was drinking. She was just sitting at the bar cracking and eating them. No. And, like, I like hard-boiled eggs. But um, I think you got a hard, you know, if they're deviled eggs, I could see sort of accidentally eating a couple more because they're really good. But she was just going to town on a plate full of the buffet hard-boiled eggs. And God help us. I mean, odds are good. Not many people like me swing through the lounge after they land. She was probably on her way somewhere. That's chemical Maybe. warfare. She's probably on one of those weird <laughs> keto diets or something. I was just going to say that. Maybe she was uh, on some sort of diet a la Luke Burbank. Mm-hmm. And only instead of cheese cubes, she was eating hard-boiled <laughs> eggs. God. I'd be all right with being on the flight with her. Um, as long as it was a shorter flight, you know, like she's grabbing a connection somewhere. I don't want to be anywhere 
around her after maybe two and a half hours because <laughs> that's a i mean i'm just generalizing where you know yeah where it goes when 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 things really start to go south when the plane mm-hmm. has to land because they think the catalytic converter is shot <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah gross. like like I'll, I'll go from buffalo to D- detroit with her but i'm not going from buffalo to seattle uh with her because that's that's going to be problematic uh I do have one note for Kristen and Sam and for everyone in this situation. I know this is not always the solution. I know this isn't always possible. But one possible answer here is to not fly Southwest. Southwest. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I go so far out of my way to not fly Southwest. It is rarely cheaper than other airlines, depending on where I'm going. It's It's awful. Rarely cheaper. Disagree. Hard disagree. We've had this conversation before. Oh, God. It's a good airline. South. Well, I think I would do it now that I'm a veteran podcaster because I could just. <laughs> well, I also know. think that they have more flights out of Texas because that's where they're from. Right. So, although that's not it used to not be the case because we used to not be able to fly more than one state. Whatever. That's a whole other thing mm-hmm. with American Airlines, but that's not the that's not. Uh, no, I. It's a whatever. I've had better, <laughs> so way better seats on most Southwest flights than I have on anything except Alaska. Alaska's really good, but anything else mostly. I've had better flights. I get your strategy. You put the whole family in boarding group C. I've only and then you I just know. plant your children in the seats. I've front. only flown Southwest with my kids once, and I actually I checked in early because I know how to play the game. Uh, but no, I enjoy Southwest, but uh, and have not really had a problem with it. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, I get it. But the, you know what? All freaking flights are like buses now. I don't know what the like special. I most flights like I you know pay four hundred dollars and i'm like in the back yeah Yeah. for me it's it's not about price in any way because i'm too much like andrew in that it gives gives me really bad anxiety to not have an assigned seat to you know have to throw a few elbows and get in there i just can't do that so i would rather know that i have a seat and know where it is before before anything happens I flew middle seat from Boston to Seattle and back a couple of times on Alaska uh, for the benefit of getting a really great deal. And uh, I'll never do it again. <laughs> I- I'll just not go. Like, I love seeing you all, but if I can't get a decent seat, I just can't do it. Mm-mm. Yep, That's a long flight. Yep. It's <laughs> too much. All right, last one. It's me. Because it's addressed to me. And that, what, <laughs> what did you say? I like attention. I like attention. <laughs> This is uh, March 25th from Mackenzie. I was shocked and horrified when during the last clip show, Christy explained why she doesn't buy notebooks. I took the liberty of taking a photo of the notebooks I have that I could gather up in a few minutes. Not all my notebooks, mind you, but a few minutes of worth of gathering. Sadly, I think some are buried under the others, but you get the idea. All I'm saying is that I'm available for notebook, journal, stationary consultation if needed. Okay, I do have to sharpshoot Mackenzie because I said I buy them all the time, but I don't write in them (laughs) because I don't feel like my handwriting's good enough or I have anything worthy to put into a very nice notebook. Mm. So it's pretty sad. (laughs) My therapist is in a phase of trying to get me to not journal, but just write down feelings she'll be like let's take five minutes and have an exercise where you write things down i'm like but i, I read it back and it's so 
stupid. It's so embarrassing. Being a writer is just, I'm embarrassed by myself when I'm alone and I journal. So I don't want to do it. Right. I had a therapist do that and I said, yeah, I'm not going to pay for that. <laughs> I'm going to pay to have you sit there and tell me what to write for 30 minutes. Uh, well, Mackenzie did include a picture and it was impressive. <laughs> it is impressive. Of all his notebooks. I mean, some of his notebooks. A few scattered of his notebooks. <laughs> but he's a lawyer. you got to have a lot right, of paper you have when to. you're a lawyer. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I think we'll close up the mailbag for this month. Thanks again, everybody. There were some more that we didn't get to, but uh, as I've said many times, we read them all and enjoy them all. So keep, keep them, them coming. Yes. Let's move on to our tripod segment. Bobby, did you want to start with a, um, an update on the last one? Yeah, I thought this would be fun. So it's been two years since we did this last, and I thought we could just zip through the list of podcasts we talked about in 2017 and talk about where they are now. And the first one, I'll just go chronologically from the show notes, was Crime Town, which was my podcast. And my personal update is it was so good. Uh, They did a bunch of live shows after that first season. Uh, They're doing a second season now about Detroit, but it is on Spotify and apparently behind a paywall. So I have not been listening. Um, I don't know. It disappeared from the regular pod catchers anyway. It was exclusively available on Spotify and I don't use Spotify. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not listening to any more Crime Town. Maybe it's not a paywall. I use Spotify. I have a Spotify premium account, so I can probably listen to it. But I just, I haven't sought it out. My podcatcher is so much more full than it was two years ago mm-hmm. that i just so crime town great i'm sure still really good about detroit meredith's not here to talk about the accuracy of that but uh yeah that's where that is uh next up and you had crime writers on mm-hmm. still listening to it they are currently going apeshit over the HBO documentary, The Case Against Adnan Syed. Oh, yeah. They started as a podcast uh, talking about cereal, and that's really mm-hmm. their, I don't know, not bread and butter because they talk about all kinds of other things, but that's the well from which it all sprung. And so they're still going strong. Yeah. Nice. Meredith had Adventure Zone, and she's not here to defend herself. I bet she's still. Although I think they, they like stopped and then maybe restarted it or something no, but i bet she's still th- what came out of this recommendation uh on as far as i'm concerned is that i started listening to the adventure zone again because i uh-huh. had dabbled in like the first episode or two which were really long and involved a lot of setup and i didn't care for it but based on meredith's recommendation i went back and started re-listening and fell in love and listened to the whole thing so they f- they finished that um that campaign they call uh-huh. it like set in that world and uh-huh. then they have started another one so the oh, podcast oh, oh. is still going strong just a new story with new characters that are just as much fun and i saw griffin mcelroy at the austin zoo but i was too scared <laughs> to say anything to him did you take a picture of him with another celebrity from like three tables away <laughs> no <laughs> was he turning around and giving you the evil eye did he have his hand no. out in front of his face <laughs> and he's like with his child like blocking his child like get away from me uh, after that, uh, Christy, that was you with Anna Ferris is unqualified. I don't listen, but I do download it. The only way that I listen now is for some reason that's the thing that starts in my car when I turn it on. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, yeah, for me, God, that's um, 
oh, what's one of those NPR's embedded does that online, mm, yeah. and I, I may have to stop subscribing to it just because I've been listening to some episode from two years ago. <laughs> the first ten seconds, two, two minutes at a time. <laughs> yeah, I I still listen to Anna Ferris. But they've changed it up a little bit. They've split it into two episodes a week. Mm. Like the first one is the celebrity interview. And the second one is when they do the advice calls. Oh, and I may check it more, out again. More often than not, I just listen to like two thirds of the celebrity interview and then forget about the rest of it. Okay. I wonder where they got that idea, splitting up the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much replaced it with the um, uh, uh, Dax. Yeah, it's a similar mm-hmm. kind of vibe. Uh, Jeremy, who is too busy working to be on the show with us tonight, brought us whatever happened to Pizza at McDonald's. <laughs> he still listens. They've been putting out. He just yeah. will randomly put one in the feed. There's been two this month. <laughs> it keeps going. It's in over 100 episodes. Dang. And for their 100th episode, I don't listen to every episode, but I catch up from time to time. There, yeah, it's easy to catch up. Yeah, there have been offshoots where he spends a couple episodes doing his version of of uh coast to coast am which he calls crust to crust <laughs> and he's also been obsessed with um a specs uh, a script he wants to write for a sequel to willow <laughs> right that's the last one i heard <laughs> and he's like calling people yes and pitching the idea yeah that's pretty funny he's definitely become more and more of a prank call artist right. except that he talks like it's completely sincere anyway still going which is incredible uh, Phyllis also not on this episode, although technically legally she could be right. So we need to work on that. Yeah, she brought takedown podcast. Mike, would you like to tell us where that is? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no reason to have Phyllis on this show because she doesn't no, really listen doesn't. to anything besides Howard and Stern TBTL and, and us yeah. and, <laughs> and re-listens yeah, so, to episode I mean, of Takedown. Right. right, right. I mean that's that's all she has. So once she gave out Takedown, that was it for her. Uh, speaking of things you care about, Mike, Revisionist History was your podcast. Yeah, I still listen to to that. We're in season three now. If I had to recommend one episode out of season two, it would be it's called Free Brian Williams. And uh, if if everyone recalls, he's the NBC anchor who got caught in a quote unquote lie about you know him saying he, that he was his helicopter got shot down um, overseas while he was a, a war reporter. And it turned out the story wasn't uh, true, or very much true. But uh, Malcolm Gladwell uh, postulates that he really wasn't lying. He was just uh, misremembering, huh. and and you know, it, you know, taking a story and just every time he got a positive reaction, just adding another detail. You know, that kind of thing. I do the same thing, so I was susceptible to this sort of um, thing. So you know, that's an episode that I re- would recommend from season two. And then, yeah, just browse. And if anything interests you, the golf one, the golf one is really, really good and sort of yeah, enraging. Yeah, the golf one is fantastic yeah, really about good. how evil golf is. Really, I mean, and I like golf, but like it's it, it's a me too. It's a the L and actually it's very LA centric. So the LA tax stuff is fascinating. Anyway, that was yeah, a good episode. It's uh the, the there's some evil stuff going yeah. on in LA yes. with the golf. Yeah. Uh, should we get on to the new recommendations? Yes. Uh, Christy, why don't we start with you? I arranged these in a way that I felt like sort of flowed. Best first hopefully. is what you're saying. 
Ab- yes, absolutely. <laughs> best first. Um, so we're going to do a clip first and then we talk about it or I talk about it and think clip, whatever. Set it up first and then we'll play the clip. Okay. So um, my clip is going to be from two podcasts. I kind of cheated on this. I'm doing three, but I'm going to talk less. And my Wait a clip minute. is shorter. <laughs> I only heard about two, not three. The, do I have to cut another no, clip? Nope. I'm nope. not putting okay. a clip for it. Okay. So um, the first two are ones that I love and love listening to um, with Ellie. We listen to one every morning. Um, they're Re- um, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls and Imagined Life. So let's play that clip. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. There was a girl. Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls is a fairy tale podcast about the extraordinary women who inspire us. From the New York Times best-selling authors Elena Favilli and Francesca Cavallo comes an empowering show about the heroic women who changed history. Ten sound-rich, immersive adventures to invite girls and women all over the world to dream bigger, aim higher, and fight harder. Discover the story of the NASA engineer who saved the Apollo 11 moon landing. The 17-year-old Syrian refugee who swam her way to safety and the Olympics. And a real-life swashbuckling pirate. Have you ever wondered what it would feel like to be famous before you were famous? Imagine. You're 14 years old and you run away from home. You're a teenager in South Africa. Brilliant. Lost in your own world. You get pregnant, but the baby doesn't survive. Bullied so badly, you end up in the hospital. You go on and become the first female anchor in Nashville, Tennessee. You will go on to stir controversy and build a media empire. And build electric cars and space rockets. You are. You are. It has to be big, because the world is big. Use this moment. From Wondery, I'm Virginia Madsen. And I'm Robbie Damon. And this is Imagined Life. On each episode of Imagine Life, one of us will take you on an immersive journey into the life of someone you may think you know, even admire, or maybe the opposite. You will experience the challenges, the heartbreaks, the losses, and the triumphs. There will be clues to your identity along the way. And only in the final moments will you find out who you are. So sit back, let go, and imagine. Imagine your life. Okay, so Real quick, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls is from a really cool book that was like fairy tales, but about real people. And it's like strong women. It's really awesome. And Imagine Life is this new one where they it's a a little biography of someone, but you don't get to know who it is until the last minute. So we kind of do it like it's because I love um, I'm pretty competitive. So we all try to guess who it is before it's over. And I'm it sounds awesome. It's That's so like, cool. So my yeah. yeah, you would love it. Awesome. And I'm five for yeah. six guessing in the first ten minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so those are two. Listen to all of them. But my listen to one podcast. I'm not going to give a clip or talk anything about the other aspects of the podcast because I've only listened to this one. But everybody should listen to the fifth episode of the dollop podcast called 10 cent beer night it's the only show i've ever listened to multiple times and cried laughing was this about the chicago white Sox? uh cleveland indians back in the 70s cleveland indians oh cleveland right 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 right, yeah listen to it tonight mike (laughs) 
The dollop, mm-hmm. you say? It's a terrible okay, name. The dollop. I'm writing it down. Dollop. Dollop. Okay, dollop episode. What five. dollop? Yeah. Five. You said. Too okay, bad it's not number five. two. Stop. That word is on the list. <laughs> Your list. We each have our list, Anne. That's true, but my list makes sense. <laughs> Your list is about porn. <laughs> All right, let's go on. Uh, Meredith is tucked sound asleep in her bed because, as she says, she's an old lady now. But she did still make... How many kittens are on her chest? <laughs> at this point? I don't know. 20, six, 30 kittens? Six to eight, I'm guessing. She can't roll over, right? She, she's done rolling over in her sleep. She has to pick a position and that's it, right? Yes. Well... Uh, before she got swarmed by kittens, she did leave a recommendation for us. It's a podcast called Lexicon Valley out of Slate. Hillary, you're a big Slate person, right? Yes. Yeah. So you knew of this one. It's I from did. the most recent episode that's called When Ain't Was All Right. She did give us an official statement that I am to read. Meredith says... Hi, Wagoneers. I'm asleep right now, so I've deputized Anne, probably, to read this official statement for me. (laughs) She knows. Lexicon Valley is hosted by John McWhorter, who is a professor of linguistics, American studies, philosophy, and music history at Columbia. A slacker. Uh, He uses all these subjects to do deep dives on the etymology, evolution of usage, and meanings of various words or phrases, and he plays lots of weird old songs. Go YouTube his interview with Brian Williams, ooh, speak of the devil, hmm. where he talks tons of wow. shit about how Donald Trump speaks in a, quote, oddly adolescent, unquote, way, similar to how people spoke before there was written language. <laughs> Grunting. Our president. <laughs> yes. So proud. Who would have thought years ago that you would say a sentence mentioning Brian Williams and Donald Trump and you would reference Brian Williams as the devil? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, She continues, this clip is from the most recent episode where he talks about the word am. It seems like a pretty boring and simple topic on its face, but it's actually really complex. I want to play the first few minutes of this show where he discusses the origin of this weird word, including some fun old English impressions with voices, various Germanic languages, the history of language migration, and to keep it LRB topical, he asserts that show tunes are universally loved. (laughs) The episode (laughs) is called When Ain't was all right and here it is am starts out as part of a grand train wreck that the english verb to be is the english verb to be is extremely irregular don't you know and so i am you are he is he was we were and then we be ben what in the world is all that did all that really come from what started as one verb? Is that what irregular is? Clearly, that verb isn't irregular. That verb is insane. And what happened is that as many as four different verbs all came together and sprinkled some of their forms, and that's why we have all of that stuff. So there was an Old English form, bayon, although in Old English voice, wait a minute, bayon, and that's where we get be and ben from. But then there was a verb, wesan, and that's where we get wesan, is was and were. Apparently there was something like aron, and that's where you get the r. And then even further back, there was something that would have been originally something like esmi. This is back in Proto-Indo-European, our language on the steppes of Ukraine. And that's where you get the am and the is. 
So all of those verbs together in a kind of a hive. English, as always, is one weird little language. The other Germanic languages have mixed be verbs too, but not that mixed. And frankly, it's probably evidence of something that they don't like to tell you about English that you might be hearing here first. The whole business about English coming to Britain in the 440s AD, almost certainly not. English was already spoken in some form on that island for reasons that I don't have time to get into. But the nature of this to be where it's so mixed is one more piece of evidence of that because it seems like there were a bunch of different Englishes all coming together. And that would make a lot of sense if the people who got there in 449 AD or thereabouts actually met some English speakers who had already been there. And because they had been there and the other English speakers had been over on the other side of the North Sea, they would have spoken different dialects of Old English. And next thing you know, you've got something like this mixture of be and was and are and is. But just taking little am, it's part of this grand train wreck. And then you have this, mm, where did the mm come from? Well, that mm is a first person singular ending in earlier Proto-Indo-European languages, for example. And it may have come from what began as me. A pronoun can end up sticking on to the end of a verb. And next thing you know, after a while, it becomes an ending. But it may also have had a different source. A little too often for it to be an accident. A great many languages have, when they're doing things having to do with I, me, in the first person singular, they have m, and then for the second person singular, it's something like t. It's very common. So me is m, and then you is t. For example, in English, it used to be thou. You know, we used to be more normal. In so many ways, we used to be more normal than we are now. Isn't that true of all of us? But in any case, the m and the t is this pattern. And it's thought that that may very well be from the same sort of reason that we've seen in a much earlier show that so many languages have a word like mama for mother and something like tata for father. No matter what language it is, it's people who live underground, people who live up in the air, people who live upside down, people who live in Pittsburgh. You always have this mama tata pattern as too common for it to be an accident. And that's because mama is the very first thing that a baby is going to do with its mouth. And the second thing may well be to do something a little more creative and go ta ta ta. Well, that first thing is going to be mistaken by the mother as a name for her. Same thing with ta ta. Well, ma may also be something that you tend to use to refer to yourself because it comes so easily. So whatever you have on there, it's going to be worn down over time and maybe m is most likely. And then t is the second thing that you're going to do. And so that's going to be the thing that ends up referring to you as opposed to me. M and t are going to keep coming up and m is maybe more likely for yourself because it's the easiest sound for something to wear down to. People speculate about such things and, you know, the truth may never be known, but it's always interesting to investigate things like me and mama and being good to mama, which brings us to our first song today. And that will be When You're Good to Mama from Chicago. Very good song, and this is from the original Broadway cast. It's very interesting. Chicago is one of those scores where even people who don't like show music like it. I once had downstairs neighbors. They had tattoos practically, you know, in their digestive systems. You know, they're chain-smoking people, the music they listen to, you know, punk, rock, etc. And they also love Chicago. They loved it when I would play Chicago. Their dog 
was also, um, her dog was a lesbian. It's interesting. Anyway, here is When You Go to Mama. If you want my gravy, pepper my ragu, spice it up for mama, she'll get hot for you. Contribute to you put in for mama, she'll put out for you. The folks atop the ladder are the ones the world adores. So boost me up my ladder, kids, and I'll boost you up yours. I enjoyed listening to this clip. But I felt like this is a podcast I cannot listen to while I'm doing anything else because no, we're tired. So not dense not with yeah. information. Yes. I was yes. like, I got to pay attention to this. <laughs> Start taking yep. notes. But if he's going to play songs from Chicago, right? I, I am it. in. That's I what I want to know. Do you think there's a like a show, a song every episode? I I would guess so. Yeah. Wake Meredith up. Yep. We have questions. Someone call her. Not it. <laughs> I felt like I was listening to um, Luke tell his story about the Neanderthal that said, eh, but way more intelligent. So, yeah, you're right. And uh, I I had a pretty rough afternoon, and I was trying to listen to these podcasts while, while I was having this rough afternoon. And, and that one, I was like, yeah, I got to listen to that at least three more times. Yeah. <laughs> once once uh once i'm done with everything today yep i used to have lexicon valley in my feed and i gave up on it a while ago because i didn't feel smart enough to listen to it <laughs> so uh, i wanted to know how to pronounce his name uh given that it's mcwarder i was like mm, maybe i need a pronouncer for Did that you call one him? Uh, I dialed up the YouTube and there was a clip of him right on top, um, on Colbert. And he basically just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And Colbert was like, well, we're going to have to leave it at that. Like right in the middle of a sentence. It was pretty good. I liked it. Colbert is a big fan. All right. So I started with these because they're inspirational and educational. And Bobby, (laughs) yours is also educational, but it's a little bit more into the pop culture realm. It is. uh, And in fact, there's some good meshing with the Lexicon Valley clip because uh, there's a lot of language talk actually in this particular episode. So my show is Hit Parade, which uh, Hillary and I, I, I had to call dibs on. Of course, Hillary, you listen to no less than fifty or sixty podcasts a week. <laughs> I know. I'm. I'm. I think that. Well, Phyllis listens to approximately like one hundred hours of Howard Stern every week, but I'm right up there because I just listen to a thousand podcasts. Right. So, yeah. yeah so, but Hit Parade is definitely up there. It's it's amazing. Hit Parade's one of those shows where you stop and listen to it when it posts. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is another Slate podcast. It's hosted by Chris Malamphy, uh, and it started out as a a part of the culture gab fest feed and then spun off into its own thing i don't listen to culture gab fest but i came across chris from his guest spots on pesca's show especially in the early days because chris writes a column called why is this number one for slate for the online former magazine and he works all that into this monthly uh pop music show so 
he'll drill down on an artist or a genre or a particular circumstance in pop music history as it relates to the Billboard charts and really just take a super deep dive on it. And it's always fascinating. I told Hillary I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the episode on Madonna or Lady Gaga or Britney Spears. They're, they're all really all, good. I ended up going so the one call, uh, about Britney Spears uh, from November 30th, 2018. It's called the Give Me a Sign edition. Uh, we'll take a listen and then I'll talk about it on the other end. Welcome to Hit Parade, a podcast of pop chart history from Slate Magazine about the hits from coast to coast. I'm Chris Melanfi, chart analyst, pop critic, and writer of Slate's Why Is This Song Number One series. On today's show, 20 years ago this month, a single from a former Mouseketeer made its debut on Billboard's Hot 100. Within two months, it would reach the top of the chart, and it would kick America's teen pop craze into overdrive. In the two decades since she donned a schoolgirl uniform and strutted into pop chart history, Britney Spears has been one of the most debated figures in American culture, held up as the avatar of fast food pop. But what is undisputed is that Baby One More Time is still a topic of fascination 20 years later. And with hindsight, Britney's chart breakthrough at the juncture of 1998 and 99, was both the culmination of decades of prior pop science and the pivot point of millennial pop, helping to define what the hits would sound like in a new century. That's because Baby One More Time was not only a smash for Spears, but also an American chart breakthrough for the man who wrote it, a Swedish pop craftsman named Max Martin, who would go on to become the defining producer and songwriter of his generation. He and his Stockholm Song Factory would go on to craft hits that were praised. Hits that were pilloried, and hits that were playlisted by millions. Both Max and Britney would go on to collaborate with other artists and other producers and songwriters. Some hits they issued apart from one another would be more acclaimed. And as the music business transformed from physical goods to the digital cloud, many of their 21st century hits would ultimately wind up more consumed. (laughs) 
But the first collaboration between Britney Spears and Max Martin holds a singular place in their respective discographies, the moment they defined the zeitgeist. Helped along by the launch of a new daily MTV after-school countdown slash pep rally. Ladies and gentlemen, Britney Spears is here. It's like hanging out. Your video is like big time right now on TRL. Well, thank you. I hope so. Have you been uh, watching any of it? Britney took over both of Billboard's flagship charts in the same week, right at the start of the final year of the 1900s, rebooting the pop landscape in the countdown to Y2K. And that's where your hit parade marches today, the week ending January 30th, 1999, when Britney Spears reached the top of both the Hot 100 and the Billboard 200 album chart with a single and an album, each titled Baby One More Time. Last month, Entertainment Weekly magazine commemorated the 20th anniversary of Britney's breakthrough with an in-depth article on the single, about which reporter Jessica Goldstein wrote, quote, the song would go on to define early aughts pop music, unquote. Several people in the article reveal that Spears, contrary to stereotype, had greater input into how the song was rolled out to the public and she had remarkable self-awareness for a then-teenager. But some of the most interesting details about the making of this hit concern Max Martin and his ongoing attempts to perfect American-sounding pop from his home base, the Sharon Studios Song Factory in Stockholm. By his own admission, Martin leaned on other producers and performers to make his songs sound more American and urban. This is totally understandable. As a man from Sweden, a country of 10 million people, less than half the population of the New York metropolitan area, Max Martin had only a second-hand understanding of R&B-derived American pop. Of course, Sweden has a proud, decades-long history of sophisticated musical craftsmanship. But urban is not the first adjective you might reach for to describe Swedish pop. We'll talk about the history of Scandinavian pop on the American charts after this. Right. So one of the things I love about this show so much is that he weaves in all of the musical excerpts so effectively. And so good. there are Spotify playlists of all the clips from each show. I think there are over 50 songs in some of these episodes. Wow. The editing just... is so, so good on these shows. I mean, it yeah. is he plays his he hits the post so well it's 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 really good and i actually listened to that episode twice and i never re-listened to episodes of things and that one was so so good i went back to it to pull the clip and ended up re-listening to the whole episode uh and this one was really interesting because it's about britney spears but it's not just about britney spears it's about britney spears and max martin the stockholm producer who wrote a bunch of those songs and helped britney find her voice 
And it does a dive onto his history and the song factory that he built with his with his mentor. And in fact, Hillary, the book I got you as part of yes. Secret Santa yes. is a book that's referenced a couple of times in this episode, yeah. The Song Machine Inside the Hit Factory by John Seabrook, which I'm still finally getting back into reading. Yep. Yeah. And maybe someday really I'll finish it. Um, but it's not just um, bubblegum pop stuff. Like he did um, a great episode on REM and the B-52s, both being from Athens, Georgia at the same time. The most recent one, was that Fogarty? Is that the one that was the most recent one? There was Fogarty. There's a really interesting Bon Jovi episode from a while back where even which he I admits- heard I fully disagree with him on, but that's it's fine. That's the only time I've disagreed with him on how much hates, he hates Bon Jovi. He hates Bon Jovi, and I was like, these are jams. These are good songs. And Hillary, the pod- the podcast that that I'm I'm just about to talk about. Uh, yeah, they 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 did a uh, a whole episode, um, very reverential about a movie that is my least favorite movie of all time and it it just about put me off the podcast altogether yes the natural. <laughs> yes. yes so uh that's it but i i forgive them i mean it's so good that you forgive yes, exactly. them and then you're you're ready to move on to the to the next uh to the next film yeah. or song but i i think chris malafi is super smart i love the way he approaches all of this and mike that's a good segue so you should just talk about your your show all right i will do so um Y'all might have noticed that I have been watching a lot of movies from the 80s and 90s <laughs> lately. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show, but definitely in our chat. Uh, and one of the big reasons is a podcast I've been listening to since it started maybe a couple years ago. And it's a product of the media, sports, uh, pop culture, content, um, giant The Ringer, which is... Uh, so this show is usually hosted by Bill Simmons, but not not always. And one or two members of his movie reviewing staff or anyone else who's truly passionate about whatever movie they're going to talk about. Um, and, and these are movies that we find ourselves re-watching over and over, particularly the ones where you can just jump in at any point and watch it to the end. The ultimate for me is like any sports movie, except The Natural, <laughs> um, and The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, one of the segments they do for every film is called alternative casting. So uh, the clip that I brought is a discussion of the principal actors for the movie Forrest Gump. All right, Sean, casting what ifs. Shoot. I didn't research this. What do you got? This is you're going to be staggered by okay. a couple of these. Robert Zemeckis's first choice for the title role was Harry Anderson. What? And he was unavailable because he had a commitment to Dave's World on CBS. Oh, my God. The yeah. late Harry Anderson. The late Harry Anderson was almost Forrest Gump, which is just dumbfounding. I did, my brain can't process I it. I think that might have been good. It might have been good. It's a different movie. It doesn't feel as big. That's definitely true. Harry Anderson was not that famous even then. I yeah. Mean, bizarre. Huh. Okay. Three other people turned down the role of Forrest Gump. Bill Murray. John Travolta. And Chevy Chase. John Travolta is a fiasco. John Travolta said it's one of the biggest regrets of his entire career that he wasn't Forrest Gump. That would have been terrible. He kind of played Forrest Gump in Phenomenon, yeah. which I still ride for a little bit with Keir Cedric. Yeah, it's funny. And I feel like Michael, too, is him like trying to get back to that moment. of Yeah, that, like, oh, I need the Forrest Gump. Yeah, I'm a magical. Yeah. I have a magical power. Exactly. Turn down the role of Bubba. David Allen Greer. Big mistake. Dave Chappelle. What? Yeah, Dave Chappelle. 
an ice cube. Okay. Ice cube refused to play an idiot. I was going to ice cube is actually literally too smart for this part. You would, you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy it. Dave Chappelle thought the movie would bomb and regretted it and ended up working with Hanks four years later on uh, you got bail. Dave, how old was Dave Chappelle? At this yeah, time? I don't know. Must've been his Just early right 20s. around the age. Was half baked era. Tupac auditioned for Bubba. Didn't okay. get it. That wouldn't have worked. But that's interesting. <laughs> Tupac as, as Bubba Blue. Bubba Blue is his last. His last name was Blue. Buford Blue, as I recall. Um, Bu- yeah. So let's imagine a world in which Harry Anderson <laughs> and Tupac. And Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> that's rough. Jenny Gump. Jodie Foster turned it down. Okay. So did Nicole Kidman. They both could have been good. This is a tough one. So did Demi Moore. That would not have been good. I think she would have been a little too old at that point for the Robin Wright. Robin Wright was able to pull off the I'm in high school, I'm in college with Forrest Gump. Demi Moore, that was like striptease Demi Moore at that point. It was a little before that, but yeah. 94. Yeah. Is that striptease? Striptease was 94, okay, you 95. Got that, you got that locked in your brain, no, huh? Just, that's when Demi Moore, yeah. Turned it down as directors, Terry Gilliam and Barry Sonnenfeld. Those both would have been interesting versions yeah. of the movie. That would have been- Terry Gilliam would have been amazing. Yeah, that would have been interesting. A lot different. So yeah, that, those are the casting what ifs brought to you by ZipRecruiter. How did how is Hanks not the first choice for this movie? I, he might have been unavailable. Okay, would be my guess. Would I you would. have enjoyed Bill Murray? He kind of played dumb as Carl and Caddyshack. That's the only time he's been dumb. But like for parody purposes, yeah, for comedy. I don't think it works with Bill Murray. Okay. What about Bob? Is probably the craziest he's gone. Mm-hmm. Just don't think it works. Okay. So. Not only did that that one's pretty much always great, yeah. Uh, but they have a ton of other interesting segments. Uh, the biggest trophy of which I guess is like who won the movie, like Bradley Cooper or Lady Gaga, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> which actor is at their career apex? There's a there's like a heat check for someone giving the best performance, chewing the scenery. There's an overacting. <laughs> they, knew! they knew. They knew. They <laughs> knew. Um, there's a that guy award, <laughs> the Joey Pants award. Yeah, Joey Pantoliano, Joey Pants award, and then and then what is age the best and worst? That's kind of that's kind of my favorite. Like from Working Girl or whatever. You're like, there's so many things that age well, and then there's just a couple things that are like, oh yeah. Ew. The um the most recent one they did was um actually I listened to it today. It was Pretty Woman, and that one's really good because yeah. it is like. <laughs> I've seen that movie. I memorized lines from that movie when I was in fifth grade because that was an appropriate movie for me to be watching. <laughs> but and it is so problematic. But she is so charming that it's like an undeniably. Right. It's a rewatch. Like if it's on, I'm like, all right, sure. Like settle in. This is what yeah, I'm watching yeah. right now. I hated it. Yeah, I caught Emily watching it the other day. <laughs> I hate it. I, I hate like, Pretty Are you Woman. Watching Pretty Woman. I hate it. Where'd that come from? Oh my gosh. Well, if that one's not for you, I mean, they do uh, like Reality Bites, Die Hard, Con Air. I mean, they do all they do all kinds of yeah, really genres. Good. The Firm, Step Brothers, The Princess Bride they did recently, yeah, that which was, a good was one. fucking awesome. Yeah, it was really good. And uh, my favorite is Training Day because it's my favorite Denzel movie. Uh, I, I just love it because uh, Ethan Hawke gets the shit beat out of him. And it's just, <laughs> that always works for this veteran podcaster. Um, but just, just get on the feed and, and scroll down and, and you will find a movie that you love and, and you'll love hearing these people talk about it because they truly love, 
these movies and 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 they don't have to wait 25 or 30 years to do the rewatchables they've they've done a couple very recent the ones the get out um, one was really good and get out, yeah stars born and get, get out. out they've done yeah. because these are movies that even though they're only a year or two old people are watching the shit out yeah. of them i mean like get out's been on cable so that's that's been uh that's been a very rewatchable experience and then a stars born people just you know people are in love with that movie so <laughs> I do have I do have one more I I was telling Emily what we're doing tonight and I asked if she had anything to add and she said the ear hustle is the yeah, one yeah, podcast so that she would recommend. Well, my mind is still blown at the idea of Harry Anderson playing. I know, Bond, so. I know, that's the best part. Oh my god! <laughs> Whoa! And, uh, and was it uh, who was the rapper that was going to play Bubba Tupac? Tupac. Oh, that would have been <laughs> awful. <laughs> Yeah, I think I would have liked Ice Cube. I think he would have brought some attitude. <laughs> well, Bubba can't have an attitude. That's the point. Mm. <laughs> yeah, true. If Harry Anderson were in the movie along with Ice Cube, Ice Cube would have stolen it yeah. easily. You don't know that. Harry Anderson does great close-up magic. <laughs> Can you imagine Forrest Gump doing magic? <laughs> It'd be another dimension. Pull a quarter out of Nixon's ear. <laughs> well, let's move on from um, pop culture and just go to celebrity culture, <laughs> which is what I think this is with Hillary's yes. pick. Yes. Um, okay, my pick. Okay, wait. First of all, I'm just going to do a rundown of my runner-ups that I'm not playing clips from, but I felt that I needed to include them. Okay, Bitch Sesh is a podcast about the Real Housewives, and I know Sam listens. It's actually really good. Roxanne Gay was a recent guest because she's a Housewives like fanatic. Um, and then also, um, there was another one. Oh, um, this had Oscar buzz is a really good one. It's about movies that had Oscar buzz, but then didn't get any Oscars. It's hilarious because you think about like Summersby. Do y'all remember that movie? And everybody was like, oh, it's oh, going to yeah. be really good. And it, Richard Gere, it came out and everybody Jody was Foster. like, this is a terrible movie. Anyway, that's a really good podcast. Uh, it was like Richard Gere trying to not look like Richard Gere. He was playing two roles or something. <laughs> it was, it was... Yeah, no, it's terrible. But those are two that I, I love and listen to immediately. But the one that um, I decided to focus on was Who Weekly. It's like Who question mark weekly. Um, and I'm going to read really quick the Wikipedia entry on it because it's easier to explain. Okay. This is the format. In each episode, the presenters discuss minor celebrities. Celebrities are categorized as either whose or thems, roughly D-list versus A-list celebrities, according um, according to their name recognition and the nature of their fame. Whose and thems are named for likely response to hearing a person's name. Who? Or, oh, them. Uh, this extends into, for example, describing behavior as hooey. If it is seen as self-promotional or tacky, for for example, producing SpawnCon, which is sponsored content, episodes alternate between the regular episodes and Who's There episodes, which consist of responses to callers' questions and stories. Callers, oh, this part is silly, callers traditionally sign off with Good Form Bella Thorne, an in-joke from an early episode. Most episodes feature an update on the, acti on the activities of singer Rita Ora, which is like a permanent who because she's always like, oh, Rita Ora is coming out with a new song. And everybody's like, who the fuck is Rita Ora? Uh -huh. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's the basic gist of it. And, um, here's the clip. We're going to play a rapid fire round of who and them because this is what we do now. It's a lot of fun. It's become part of the show. And I'm really glad because you guys are always calling in. There's always people to do this too. As you will tell, the possibilities are endless. So let's just get started. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Long time, long time. 
I have to know, is Neve from Catfish fame a who or a them? One, two, three. Who? who? Yeah. Ugh, but he's Catfish canceled. is them. Who them or canceled? Catfish is big, but like Neve. But I mean, like the who? concept that he created is big. You know, like I know, his... but his name isn't. He's sure. Catfish Guy. Sure, he's Catfish Guy. I think, I think Catfish he's guy. Catfish Guy. Catfish Guy. Hi, Who Weekly. Penn Badgley. Who or them? One, two, three. Them. Who? Oh, really? Oh, kind God, of. I was on the line. I was on the line. I mean, especially now because of you again. But not. But I just all. I just think that like you know Gossip Blake Girl Blake Lively and like all of them are just. I mean, she's obviously like the most a list of all of them. But you know what? He kind I of feel, is. I feel. I feel themy vibes from him. It's like a trashy. It's like a trashy soapy show. But it's like there's something vaguely prestige about it too like you know like i mean they're... he's having a vemi moment no matter whether he's yeah. a them or not but like let's say like he i but i think this pushed him over whatever line he may have been on hey guys i'm watching an old episode of jeopardy on youtube and the final jeopardy question is about calvin and Hobbes, and i thought it was really easy thankfully everyone got it but i was wondering are calvin and Hobbes who's or them the fuck what one, two, three, them. them. Yeah. Name another cartoon. I, I can't. Mean, it's Garfield. Like Garfield. Calvin and Hobbes. Peanuts. Calvin and Hobbes. Pe- Kathy. Oh, Kathy. Total <laughs> them. Okay. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Bobby. Christine here from Brooklyn. Wondering, is Carmen San Diego a who or a them? One, two, three, them. them. What do you? Fu- Why is this on here? <laughs> Who's playing Carmen Sandiego in the new animated? Oh, it's, it's like, Gina it's Rodriguez. Like t- it's like TV. Yeah, it's Gina Rodriguez. Yeah. But they're okay, doing good. animated and live action. I have weekly, long time, long time, uh, official Canada correspondent. I'm calling because I need to ask if Schitt's Creek is a who or a them. One, two, three. Who? Them? Who? Oh, it's really? Canadian. It's, <laughs> it's suddenly, everyone's talking about it suddenly. Um, but okay, fine. I'll give it. That. I will I'll say it it's got Canadian. first. It's got like first wave popularity. It's like the the cool people are talking about. The Netflix insiders are talking about it. I mean, yeah. your yeah, new yeah, your right, new podcast, like you would know, but like oh, my new podcast. Listen to it. It's called, <laughs> uh, I'm obsessed with this. Find it where you can wherever you download podcasts. Well, what a pl- an amazing. This plug. is not a Netflix ad. Okay, I was listening to Fresh Air today, and I was wondering: Is Terry Gross a who or a them? Okay, congratulations to the wife. One, two, three. Them. Who? Them really? Come on! I feel like she is probably the themiest NPR person, other than Ira Glass. Than Ira Glass? Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'll give Terry Gross. I'll give Terry Gross them. Are you okay? What's sorry, going on Josh in there? just came in the door. Josh just came in the door. In the middle of me saying, "I'll give Terry Gross them." What's that package? Is that for me? Yeah. Josh is Terry Gross a who or a them? Ask him. I love Josh. Is Terry Gross a who or a them? know who you're talking about no josh get educated read a book no he says it must be who josh says who no josh read a book package that was in the mail was the screenplay to a star is born it's just a screenplay to a star wait that's iconic like that's amazing that's a collector's item putting it in a shadow box okay hi who weekly um i'm just wondering is bonnie hunt a who or a them thanks bye one, two, three. Them. them. Iconic. I'm not even going to spend more time on this. Iconic. Okay. Okay. Number okay. one, them. Okay. Okay. Hey, Who Weekly. Uh, short time, short time. 
Uh, I just had a question. Is Elizabeth Olsen a who or a them? One, two, three. Who? That? <laughs> who? Who? No. I feel who? like just because you're in Marvel, maybe maybe a while ago Marvel meant immediate them, but there are so many of them. No, I think it's who because she's not even the most famous, the third most famous. Yeah. She's the third most famous Olsen also. Like she's... A, exactly. <laughs> and there's this weird hierarchy of... of, of Marvel characters now and she's definitely second tier. She also just right? hasn't had like a breakout thing. Like she's really yeah. like she technically starred in that that neon movie that didn't really that like was people like Oh, kind Ingrid of, Goes West. But it didn't really like catch on. I hate that movie, but she's great in it. I know. Remember we like saw that movie together and we were like both like that oh sucked. God, I hate it. Yeah, whatever. That so okay. Much. Hi Who Weekly. Uh I have an important question. Um is celery juice a who or them. Which reduces inflammation, by the way. Okay. Yeah, sure. One, two, three. Who? who? A huge who. Celery juice is like the bone broth trend where like yeah. everyone's talking about yeah. it for like two seconds. Then yeah. everyone's like, why am I doing this? What are you getting up early to again? fucking like juice a celery? Get out of here. You know who is? You know you? who is? You get one guess. You. It's not me. No, it's not me. I don't have a juicer. I would, believe me. Um, guess who's doing it? Eva Amari Martino. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> She's been juicing every single day I bet for she a has. month. Disgusting. Next really up, disgusting. speaking of green. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, long time, long time. Um, I am calling because I want to know is matcha a who or a them? One, two, three, them, them. for sure. Totally. After Matcha's being in L- after being in LA, there's like forty five thousand matcha stores per square mile. In Japan, like matcha's been to them for like forever. That's true, but here we got it as a trend, and now it's officially yeah. like become kind of a thing, like but almond it, milk. It solidified itself. What I'm saying is like celery juice is one of those trends that's not going to last. Matcha will because matcha has like a history. Like people weren't making celery juice thousands of years ago like somewhere I else. love what we're about to end on it's like celery juice matcha and then this and hi Lindsay and Bobby long time long time I am debating with my boyfriend if Scott Foley is a who or a them I think he's a who one two three who, who? literally yeah. earlier today I thought I mixed him up with Scott from Scott seventh heaven Scott Hold I on. mixed him up with Chris O'Donnell I always forget who he is but yeah he's Felicity I mixed him um, up with Scott from Seventh Disick. Heaven, who's played by someone whose name isn't even Scott, apparently. Fuck. Wait, the guy who was in Teaching Mrs. Tingle? No. Who was in Seventh Heaven? Um, I don't know. I don't think about Seventh Heaven. No, that's Barry Jenkins. Barry Watkins. <laughs> Barry Jenkins versus Barry Watkins. No. Are you thinking about Barry Jenkins? Oh, I'm thinking about Barry Watson for both. Me. I'm going to tweet at Barry Jenkins and say, I loved you in Seventh Heaven. Barry Watkins. Barry yeah. Watkins. He sort of looks like Scott Foley. We have to end this. Um, okay, so my favorite part of it is them fighting over if uh, Terry Gross is a who or a them. She's obviously a them. I mean, come on. Everybody knows who Terry is. Is it obvious? Is. I don't think everybody does know who Terry <laughs> Gross is. So, no. so how I personally think of it is if, like, my when my mom's, pr- like, pretty well-versed. But if my mom knows who somebody is, I'm like, oh, they're a them. Because um, they, like, have achieved fame enough that my mom knows who that is. But, like... Why I like it, and this is sort of, I mean, I like a lot of trash. Obviously, we've talked about it. I like a lot of trash television, and I like, you know, celebrity gossip and stuff. But Bobby and Lindsay, who are the hosts of it, um, 
they are really smart. Like Bobby used to write for Jezebel. Uh, Lindsay wrote for Vulture. They're super smart. They talk about things in a smart way. Like they really understand the um, sort of gross part of celebrity culture of like selling and, uh, you know, just having a brand or whatever. And it's kind of making fun of that whole culture. Um, and like, for example, in the really early episodes, they, they acknowledge that the Kardashians are thems cause everybody knows who they are, but they have hooey tendencies like selling flat tummy tea and stuff. And it's just a sort of making fun of that bullshit that all these celebrities do. And so, and also that is why I know who like Rita Ora or Bella Thorne is like, I don't know what they do, but I know that they're famous in some sort of like. Sacked. Oh, and a couple weeks ago, I almost did this, but I thought it was, I couldn't find a good clip, but uh, two weeks ago or a week ago, they had a whole episode devoted to the college admissions scandal because they were like, this is the hooiest thing. Uh, everybody involved in this, with the exception of like William H. Macy, are who's. Like, they're all just people who are like, I know who Lori Laughlin is, but it, like kind of, and her daughter is the, ex- like she is an example of a who because she has like a YouTube channel. Sure. For some reason she has 2 million followers on Instagram, but like, I don't know who she is. I don't know what she does, but she makes a lot of money selling bullshit. So that's basically it. That's, that's the gist. It's because you're an old lady, Hillary. That's why you don't <laughs> know who she is. I know. I know. <laughs> who is Olivia Jade? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sort of uh, on the fence with Penn Badgley. <laughs> uh, Dave and I were Dave, Dave and I had a discussion. He was like, "I don't know. I think he's kind of vimy. and I'm like, "That's tough. I mean, you have to be like a gossip girl slash you devotee." But uh, mm-hmm. Blake Lively is definitely a them. I mean, everybody yep. knows who Blake Lively is. But Penn. I feel like Terry Gross needs to work more Thursdays and Fridays after celebrity <laughs> deaths to to be a them. <laughs> Actually, my real favorite one, though, of this, when somebody says, is Calvin and Hobbes a who or a them? And she was like, fuck off. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Calvin is on the, the, the window stickers, pissing on other brands of cars. Mm-hmm. Ultimate them it, status. He's memorialized. Yeah. I had a thought the other day. Could you have a self-hating Calvin that's peeing on himself? Probably. <laughs> Lying on his back, peeing in his own mouth. But why, Bobby? Why? Well, I was—I had originally yeah. actually. You could it, have one, I, Bobby, but should one? I had, I pictured it as a, as like putting two mirrors on opposite walls in a room, like it's a Calvin ping on a Calvin ping on a Calvin. God, Calvin. <laughs> to infinity. Right. And I thought of it because I was stuck behind a truck covered in shitty bumper stickers, and the Calvin was peeing on something, but I couldn't figure out what it was because it was sort of older and torn up and. You know, so I, an MC Escher painting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Weirdly, it's actually a. F- it was dripping back on himself. He was peeing downward, and yet it was dripping on his. It's head. a Ford F one fifty peeing on a Kelvin. It's very confusing. <laughs> wow. All right, let's not sully Calvin's memory any further. <laughs> we don't need to participate into that. He's still a them. We're, yeah, absolutely. We're, much respect. Absolutely. Uh, We'll go to our final recommendation, which is mine. I put at the end because it's completely unlike anyone else's. And uh, one day I started thinking about how I read almost exclusively fiction and I watch almost exclusively fiction. So why don't I listen to fiction podcasts? And so I did some quick Googling and I found this show, Wolf 359. A a quick uh, synopsis 
of the setup is that the the protagonist of the story is Doug Eiffel, the communications officer aboard the USS Hephaestus space station, which is on a long-range mission orbiting the red dwarf star, Wolf 359. And Doug spends his time making ridiculous pop culture references, which you would like, Hillary, uh, (laughs) trying to do as little work as humanly possible and maintaining a what I would characterize as a low to medium level of aggression against his commanding officer, Commander Minkowski. Also on board is a Dr. Hilbert, the station's chief science officer who spends pretty much all his time locked in his lab running mysterious and possibly unethical experiments. And the final crew member is Hira, an artificial intelligence who runs the station systems and assists the rest of the crew. So, the story starts, they're going about their daily lives, and then things start happening. And I can't say anything more than that, other than that the uh, mutant plant monster that lives in the air ducts is the least of their worries. So I'm going to drop the clip in right here. In any case, this is the log of communications officer Douglas Eiffel speaking from the USS Festa station. It's day 455 of our orbit, looking forward to another calm one around Red Dwarf Wolf 359. Yep, super calm, totally uneventful day, smooth sailing. Eiffel, you insubordinate hyena. This is outrageous even by your ridiculously low standards. How do you even expect to get away? <laughs> It's not as if Minkowski yelling at me for things I had nothing to do with and don't know anything about anyway is particularly remarkable, so still, you know, simple, boring, consequence-free day for... Officer Eiffel, this is most unprofessional. Vile conduct like this undermines vital equilibrium of station personnel. Must insist that you return the oral... Whew, boy, everyone seems to be saying all kinds of weird things tonight. The sheer... Normalcy of everything today must be getting to him. But anyway, dear listeners, since I don't have anything to report from the USS Hephaestus Station, this has been the log of communications officer. Officer Eiffel? Ugh. Do you have a moment? What is it, Hira? Is everything all right? Commander Minkowski and Dr. Hilbert seem very upset with you. I have little to no idea what you're talking about. I just thought it might have something to do with why you locked yourself in the communications room. Oh, that. Yes. Right before you used lead piping to jam the door handle. Well, why, uh, yeah. You know, I guess I did do that. Isn't that funny, Hira? (laughs) Actually, it seems more like premeditated caution. Now, hey, wait, nothing is premeditated here. The very suggestion that I would meditate anything. I mean, it's laughable. (laughs) Huh? Ah, screw it. All right, fine. As part of my ongoing punishment for maintaining my humanity in the face of bogus military protocol, Minkowski made me help her do an inventory of the supply stores today. Turns out we had a grand total of one tube of toothpaste remaining. One delicious, minty fresh tube of breath-saving relief for the remaining 275 days of the mission. Well, you know, inevitably conflicts get bureaucratic around here, so I figured that it was necessary and or prudent to secure my fair share for the sake of equity and uh, morale. Basically, I took the entire tube. Eiffel, 
Open the door this very instant. Evening, Commander. Nothing to see here. Thanks for stopping in. See you later. Bye. This is beyond harebrained. You know that, right? You know that you have to- I guess we might as well talk about this. Hostage is such an ugly word, Commander. I haven't said hostage. Yeah, I'm just trying to get ahead of the curve. Now, hold on. I've got to make an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your communications officer speaking. By now, you've noticed that I have recently cornered the market in a certain vital hygiene product. Now, before anyone decides to get clever or heroic, you should know that I'm not above doing something stupid here, alright? You try to break in here, you so much as scratch the door into this room. I sense the teeniest disturbance in the force, and I will dump all our remaining toothpaste into this can of oil I picked up from the hangar bag. So if you want to avoid that kind of turbulence, please keep your hands and feet to yourselves for the next portion of the flight. Capiche? Come on, Commander Minkowski, I want to hear verbal confirmation. One run for yes, two for no. I ought to throw you in the brig for insubordination. We don't have a brig. I'll work something out. What about you, Dr. Hilbert? Do you read me? I felt this plan is no good. Can't spend the rest of mission locked in comms room. Your field power is considerable, but the starvation will be even more considerable. Try me. I got some old magazines, a window, and radio as entertainment seems to be making a comeback around here. Plus, I stocked up on food this afternoon, enough to last until the next orbital cycle. Hira, can you confirm for these losers that the protein packs dispenser's tank has gotten mysteriously lighter? Listen to me, Doug. You're blowing this way out of proportion. Just come out and give us the toothpaste. I'm sure Dr. Hilbert will be able to synthesize a perfectly suitable substitute. Oh no, I'm not falling for that one again. You said that when we ran out of coffee, and now I get to start every morning with a nice mouthful of blended seaweed. You said that when we ran out of soap, and now I'm lucky if I don't get first degree chemical burns when I shower. I am done with Hilbert's homemade substitutes for everyday commodities. I don't care how far away we are from Earth, I still have rights. I still have the right to toothpaste. All right, this conversation is over. Hira, could you please initiate Eiffel Protocol M? Hello? Commander? Hira, what did Minkowski mean by Protocol M? How many Eiffel Protocols are there? So the series is about 60 episodes, um, and they're not terribly long. They run between like 50 and 40 minutes, depending. And there's a handful of little 10-minute mini-sodes. Um, the story's fantastic. The writing is excellent. The acting is much better than most of the fiction that you can hear on podcasts. And the sound design and the production is really professional. In the beginning, it's pretty comedic, which you can tell from the clip. But the story develops and they introduce more dramatic elements. Um, they have big themes about memory and identity and what determines humanity and what it means to be a leader and to take responsibility and exercise power. And it's really interesting. And when I was listening to it, I was doing it like as fast as I could, like two or three episodes a week. And as I approached like the last dozen episodes, I started listening slower and slower and slower because I just didn't want it to end. So... It's a great series, completely finished, and I really recommend it. Cool. 
Yeah, it was that was another one that I was like, I need to like sit down and listen to this and pay attention. Mm-hmm. It's not like a me do it like washing the dishes kind of thing and listening to it. Like I wanted to pay attention. And when to I it. started it, I had no idea that it was fiction and I was so lost after like thirty <laughs> seconds. I'm like, what is happening? And I kept checking, Are you sure this is the one Anne? Yep. And the first episodes are really short, like 15, 17 minutes, and it really hooks you in. And then it starts spinning it out and spinning it out. And it's it's really fun. I really have enjoyed listening to it. It's a very winning cast of characters, and I've sort of followed them on to other projects uh, because I think they're all really talented. I would love working on something like that. I would love to do, like, you know, uh, radio dramas and mm-hmm. comedies or, or whatever. I, I I've always liked like that kind of thing and um yeah i enjoyed the clip a lot oh oh and i should mention uh the same person is voicing doug the protagonist and dr hilbert really which is not obvious from the first listen at all he's very good Hmm. like the i got a man uh rap video when you can't believe yes exactly like that mike the woman and the (laughs) the guy are the same person (laughs) exactly what (laughs) My blow. Uh, so that'll do it for our tripod Rex for this two-year period, I guess. Uh, I think we hope that you'll check some of them out and maybe you'll find something new to love. I always love it when I find a new podcast where there's a good back catalog so yes. I can just blow through them for a while. Oh, wait. I, I realized I forgot to explain my um, my Zencaster name today, which is Missing Lieutenant. And that is a reference to the clip that I played from the Forrest Gump uh, rewatchable. Uh, there's no mention of other casting for Lieutenant Dan. Sinise or nothing. In that, uh, in that clip. I guess, yeah, they were all in on, on Sinise, yeah. who, you know, that's that's my boy right, right there. Mm-hmm. Well, when you know you need a man with no legs and one facial expression. <laughs> <laughs> and that expression is angry. He went on to great success in CSI New York. CSI New York. (laughs) I don't smoke cigars, but I don't think that thing was ever lit uh, in Forest County. All right. Uh, And by the way, I have never listened, really put any thought into a fiction podcast until that clip. And now I think I'm going to dive into it because you've opened up a whole new world for me. Most of them are really bad. Yeah. I say that. You gotta you gotta look a little bit to find a good one, and this is a good one. Well, that homecoming one everyone likes, and it became a Netflix show. That was good. I haven't, see, I haven't yeah. read that or heard heard it yet. There's there's one I'm thinking of that's super popular, or at least was a few years ago. That I really tried so hard. Limetown. Mm. Welcome nope. tonight. Oh, something. Mm. <laughs> Warmer. <laughs> getting hot (laughs) all right uh it's time for a little housekeeping 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 (laughs) now hang on i'm going to do the impression of luke's housekeeper this Mm. week (laughs) (laughs) you can buy things from us at littleredbandwagon.com or if you like to go to the mother site 10710.com slash shop you can archive with us christy could you give us the dismal update on archiving it's it's bad bobby Anne's auditing it so she probably knows a little bit more about the state than i do uh 
it's gonna be fine. Okay, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> it's just fine. Need... TM. <laughs> we just need say, more people to. I think it's current to the beginning of. Is it through 2017 or the beginning of 2017? We we got some uh, we got some holes. Yeah. <laughs> Here here's what surprises me. We've talked a little bit about this offline. TBTL clearly has more donors than ever before. More names every episode in the uh, donor mentions, and starting this week, two names per day in the dazzling donor section. Mm -hmm. By the way, to the person who wrote in because they hated the Thank You Baby music. Jolene. uh, Yes, Jolene. Congratulations. Dazzling donors got your man because (laughs) that's it. (laughs) Ask and you shall receive, Jolene. Uh, We know you're out there. You love TBTL. So I, I wonder if we've just overstated how complicated archiving is because what you do is you listen to an old episode of TBTL and you just write down the the core things that happened, like, was there a top story? Was there a guest? It's not... Yeah, you fill out a form, a few questions that Christy and Jeremy put together, and you just answer the questions. Yeah, no, no one's expecting you to write a book report on TBTL. Uh, Garbage talk. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we have <laughs> just covered 25 minutes. Taking intense notes on TBTL. So, um, you know, it, it's a lot easier than one might think, and... Uh, Nothing gets us more nostalgic than when we go back and do those clip shows, and those clip shows mm-hmm. are made possible by by the archive. So uh, reach out to Christy about that, or any of us, and we'll redirect you accordingly. Uh, buy things from Amazon, if you must, uh, at com slash Amazon, so that at least we get a few pennies from Amazon for it. So when they take over the world, we'll be on the inside track just a little bit. And this week's Earbuds and Earworms, our sister podcast, uh, is about album openers, first tracks off albums, great first tracks. And I know I, I don't jump in every week, but I did jump in with a few suggestions on that because I, I being the old man that I am, love albums that still appreciate the order of an album and opening strong. Are you into big band or medium band? <laughs> <laughs> I, Since you're an old man, I I'm firmly medium band. I can't keep up with, with the the arc of Bob Stein's music love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right let's wrap this up but uh, get involved littleredbandwagon.com is our website throwyourphone.com y'all been using it a lot and keep doing it um come come to our facebook page the show twitter is at lrb podcast email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com the voicemail and text is 802-432-TBTL that's 802-432-8285 Fax us your butt. I like that that's just embedded in here now. It's not an addition. <laughs> At 617-354-8513. Um, with that, Christy, why don't you get us out of here? Sure. Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen. Nailed it. Was nailed it. Christina, the sneaky nailed it. <laughs>